So we are in a place where we're both in episode two. And also in episode three. Right. Uh, this is um, the Roommates Podcast. Colon. A, po- colon, a podcast, a podcast about, about being, being roommates. roommates. Colon. Special series. Colon. Colon. Episode two. No, it's J- after the that colon. Oh, okay. It's James this and Jonathan discuss the masterpieces. Colon. Barton Fink. Barton Fink. Colon. A film by the Cohen brothers. And Ethan Cohen. Yeah. I think it's better if we spell their names out. You know, no point for going. Sure. Yeah, I just forgot what their names were, or didn't know, or something. Yeah. Um. That's good. When we said that together, it was like we were really bad at that improv game. <laughs> yeah. And yet we had it planned in advance what it was we say, but we just couldn't remember. Well, you know, we have certain talents, but this is not one of them. What are our talents? <laughs> well, you know, I make a mean, um, I make a mean man. <laughs> 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 like Dr. Frankenstein? Yeah. <laughs> I make a mean man. Yeah. I make a mean man for you. I don't know if I want that. <laughs> I don't want a mean man. I want a kind man. Oh, boy. Imagine if you just gave birth to a mean man. If I did? <laughs> if one was to. Like if I, if I impregnated a woman and yeah. she gave birth to a mean man. A mean man. And you said, and you said, uh, when he reaches the age of maturity, you say, you know, I always had one fear in life, and that was giving birth to a mean man. But I realize now that's exactly what I've done. I don't know. Of all my vices and weaknesses, I don't think meanness is one of them. I don't. I suppose genetics doesn't work that straightforwardly, but. Well, that's why. You, I'm not saying you're a mean man, I'm saying... No, I know, I just couldn't imagine birthing a mean man. I can't imagine it. Right, I suppose it's in your lineage <laughs> a little bit. No, I just mean I'm capable of imagining it. Yeah, I can imagine. It'd be horrible. Imagine just having a kid and it was, like, morally bad. <laughs> It'd be horrible. Like, your kid is just a murderer or something? We. Terrible, unbearable. Uh, it would and other be things that rhyme. Terrible, unbearable, <laughs> and uh, and terrible, and rewearable, and terrible, and scarable. That would be the good uh, thing. Ah, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Could yeah. It wouldn't. Child. It wouldn't be. Yeah. You know what they always say: scare the child, spoil the child. <laughs> what? Is that what they say? No, they say spare the rod, spoil the child. I don't know what any of that means, but we were, anyway, we just watched a film. <laughs> <laughs> Let me clear this up first. Yeah. So there's an expression that people who, are, who want you to beat your kids say. They say, spare the rod, spoil the child. Oh, so the rod the, is for beating. It's the beating rod. Yeah, well, I, I definitely think you should beat your kids. <laughs> I don't. Well, let's discuss this. First. This is uh, a, actually an episode of... Uh, three men, three beards, three, three different, different perspectives. perspectives. Yeah, 
Um, you're, J- Jason I, you're pro beating children. I'm absolutely in favor. I'm against it, and Jason Allen feels it's complicated. It's complicated. He sees merits on both sides. Yeah. This was an aborted uh, uh, podcast that uh, we were going to start called Three Men, Three Beards, Three Different Perspectives. That's right, yeah. But if we Jason watched Allen had been in Toronto. Film. Yeah. Called Barton Fink. Which I really enjoyed. Yeah? I'm a big viewer. You're a big viewer? Big viewer on this one. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. Because I was toying with the idea of saying screw it. Okay, go ahead. Um, I just think this is a, this is a good movie. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I just feel you get more... If you want that good Cohen feeling, okay. you can get the that you can get like the heart stuff from uh, from something like Fargo, and you can get the uh, the the laughs from something like The Big Lebowski. And this one, I don't know. It's just uh, I I I keep waiting for something to happen, for them to for there to be some sort of a revelation. But I guess that's a lot of fun. Woking people in this movie. You don't think there were... Huh. Okay, so why are you a strong viewer? There was just so much in it to me. Like, the... Like, to me, it... Reflected... The difficulties of trying to be an artist and trying to be a professional artist. It it reflected the... the, uh, academic person's struggle of trying to have humanity. <laughs> right? Like, when, they, when they're having that not particularly subtle conversation, really, where uh, he's talking to this everyman, mm-hmm. but just keeps cutting him off whenever he's going to tell his stories, and, and then tells the everyman how he's such a lover of the everyman and wants to express their viewpoint. And then whenever the guy goes to say his viewpoint... He cuts him off, but I, uh, and that's like a real type of person. That's like this, the academic Marxist humanist often or something, right? Like, uh, and then, and then fucking, (laughs) it also turns into a thing where the woman dies and he has to deal with that. And then it sort of discusses like, the triviality of his struggles as an artist in a I sense. I mean, I think that's right? really funny how, like, he's just dealing with his murders, but he's just like, I still have to get that yeah. played on. And it just... Yeah, it, what's interesting is he doesn't change. He still sees it as important, yeah. Because uh, you would think he would just be like, my struggles are trivial. <laughs> right? Yeah. It'd be like... I don't know. I so, so am I. So you don't. You just don't. You weren't moved by any of that. No, I think it's a good movie. Uh, yeah. Once again, as we've discussed, this the view it. Yeah, it's as in context. Movie, okay. And then view it as a masterpiece. That's fair. I mean, I liked this. I felt this one was better than the one we watched last week. Blue Velvet. Yeah. Yeah. Which I also liked, but I was more on the fence about than this. So. It's 
you often try and come up with justifications for why you like movies or not. Mm -hmm. And while I can tell this movie has a lot in it, ultimately I never felt kind of pulled into it. Okay. You didn't identify with that character, eh? Not really, no. Okay. I think that's part of maybe why I liked it more is because... So I... At least from the way I see it, he's not actually a bad guy. He just has a type of stupidity. Mm. Like in the scene we were talking about before with the... Uh, where he's got this sort of academic humanity but doesn't have real humanity, right? I feel like when people are like that, when, like, grad, like, f fucking, like, grad students are, like, saying that they have these views about being in every, about socialism and egalitarianism or whatever, but then they just never talk to anybody who isn't another grad student or professor. I think they're trying to be good. They just, they don't know how to get over that barrier of talking in academic language and everything. I think they're trying, and I see that in him too. I mean, I, I think he just is stupid. It's a blockage. He doesn't get that he's supposed to listen to the guy talk, and that's how he could truly be his equal and be with him. He doesn't see that, and it's a stupidity. It's not that he's a bad person. And I guess I, having come from a similar context, can relate to that. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I like about this movie uh, is this kind of cornucopia of just insane people. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone, like, everyone our main character needs to interact with is just deeply unhinged in different ways. Yeah. Just, it's like every time he has to interact with a person, it's just deeply unsettling and anxiety inducing. Yeah. 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 In, in so many different ways. Like just the, um, the role that Steve Buscemi plays is this guy, what was mm -hmm. his name? Chet. Chet. He's like, yes, hello, I'm Chet. He just, first of all, he just clims up out of the ground. And then he's <laughs> Which like, is never addressed again, is no. it? No. And then he's <laughs> like, hi, I'm Chet. Uh, my name's Chet. If you need me, just ask for Chet. Yeah. And then he just hands him a piece of paper with the word Chet in capital letters. <laughs> an exclamation mark. mark. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and all the, uh, like uh, the, the, the crime guys, the detectives, the caricatures. so mean to him yeah. for no reason. <laughs> yeah. I just love it, like, they're just being so relentlessly mean, and yeah. then, like, the one of them is just like, this This is the, the worst play I've ever read, and the other guy is just like, I liked it. <laughs> it's just like, everyone, uh... And all the people in Hollywood. All, all the people in Hollywood are all, just... like, affected, as you would say. I like, I like that. I like how it plays into this feeling of every time you have to interact with someone, they... You just uh, get trapped into some weird, uncomfortable situation. Right. Uh, it's a good. It's a good movie for for a shut-in to watch, because it reminds them that everyone they interact with will present them with difficulties and uh, anxieties. Yeah. Sorry. Except for the John Goodman character, who seemed like a nice man to talk to. But then as a murderer. Yeah. Which, I mean, 
No, I guess it's good. Part of me thinks that this is a bit played out. Yeah. But the idea of, like, the murderer being the nice guy. But mm-hmm. he just remains so ambiguous to in every sense until the end of the movie that mm-hmm. like is he just like this he's like this weird figure of the devil and then he just says hail hitler before he kills someone <laughs> and then because there's this whole other thing of anti-semitism running through the movie uh, which yeah. i don't even understand and it's well it was place set during in world war ii yeah no i get that but like why is it constantly referencing like this well, Jewish you say I get war. that. I was going to ask a question, okay. which is at the time, how anti-Semitic were people? Oh, yeah. They were quite anti-Semitic. So is it that strange then? It's strange because you, usually you... Because they kept bringing it up over and over again. And they chose to make the main character Jewish. Yeah. And... Like, the last one of the last scenes with the movie... His boss is now just dressed up as like a general figure, yeah. and uh, and there's also a scene where uh, uh, our main character in incites a fight between the army and the navy. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is is every Coen Brothers movie you see is just aggressively sanctioning you down rabbit holes. Mm. Like, just the repeated shot of the woman, the picture of the woman... Uh, right. ...in front of the ocean. Which I guess ended... Which I guess ended with a real woman, in, in a sense, didn't it? Yeah, that's... It ended with, like, a real-life replication of the yeah. photo that's hanging in his room that they show us so many times. Which, uh, what does it really mean? Yeah, and I mean... There's even, like, this thing where they keep showing it over and over again. They, uh, I feel in a much more humanistic way than David Lynch, but they also kind of make uh, a parody of the idea of meaning. Like, um, there's this one movie they made called Inside Lewin Davis. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, But there's this scene where our main character, Lewin Davis, has to carry around a cat with him, a cat who keeps trying to escape, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's trying to tell his friend, who's the owner of the cat, over the phone uh, about the fact that he has the cat. And he gets his secretary and he says, let him know that Lewin Davis has the cat. Mm-hmm. And the secretary says, what? Let him know that Lewin Davis is the cat? <laughs> he's like, no, let him know that he has the cat. Right. And then he hangs up the phone. So, like, they're making fun of the idea of somebody seeing symbolism in a situation while also oh, yeah. cluing you off to the possible symbolism in the situation. So, like, when the secretary kept getting the guy's name wrong in this one. Yeah, they always... They, they, they seem to love to just... Uh, Aggressively confound the uh, the um, watcher, but as you say, I just don't know if I was able to uh, to totally get on board with okay. this one for whatever reason. So, uh, I want to ask: Do you suspect that this guy was a great writer? Well, that's... that was something I was very unsure about. That. Oh. That is uh, that is neat 
the way they kind of left that up in the air. Yeah. Like even having the one detective just be like, I think it's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's also like a classic gambit uh, where you don't let the audience know if the main character is good or not yeah. what they do. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it's, it's ambiguous on purpose. Right. So the fact that uh, the Hollywood guy says we have 20 people just like you. That's what's cool, right? Because it's almost like it's saying that uh, he says you have to grow up. He's saying yeah. that trying to do things of artistic merit is uh, immature. Which is something that I think one would experience as an artist. I it's, that idea is out there in the ether. Yeah. That... Uh, if you're trying to do something worthwhile, you're being... Uh, pretentious. Pretentious. Yeah. You don't have a family to feed. Right. I think there was uh, one of those quotes that uh, f floats around. It's like when you... Uh, a composer once said, like, when you have kids and a, and a wife, you don't try to feed them on uh, your dissonant notes. Yeah, it's strange, though, because, I mean, like, if you're just trying to feed... Like family, like, why would you be a writer at all? Because would... it's, like, too late at a certain point to develop other skills. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's what it is. Um, but I don't know, I mean, the fact that he... So I guess... he, The fact that he was so academic in his thinking, like, he wasn't... He didn't... He wouldn't actually get the stories from the guy. But then I guess he kind of ultimately did. He ended up liking the guy. I don't know. I mean, his play was really liked. His play was really liked. Like, critically acclaimed or whatever, right? I feel that the Coen brothers often sends you down just this, this deep and wide chasm of, 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 of rabbit holes to just uh, keep you thinking about their movies. Which is why I think if you ask me tomorrow... If I w would view it or screw it, I might go uh, view it. But the fact is... Because you're just trapped in this cause deep, you just wide chasm. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of want to create some level of tension on the show, so I'm going to go with my initial gut reaction of, of yeah, screw it. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't know how to have an argument about that. I don't think we... We're not the men to have an argument. Right. But that's what the people want. The people... They want to hear us debate <laughs> and assault each other's characters. <laughs> We're just too reasonable for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, okay, so I'm trying to understand what you what we disagree on, other than just... So, I guess I was just saying that ultimately I didn't feel uh, that... The world it created was uh, absorbing enough. Um, okay, it just seems so much more absorbing to me than the Lynch one. That's interesting because to me, the the, the Blue Velvet just ca it casts uh, the way the characters in Blue Velvet had no subjectivity really kept me at a distance, which I get was part of the point. But in terms of just the enjoyment of the film. This I was way more sucked in here. I these characters. 
seemed real to me. I mean, n- n- I say that, and yet all the characters. So I guess I, I mean the, ma- way the main as fucking yeah. weird. Yeah, no, that's true. All the caricatures, and I suppose the main character even has a distance from reality, but it's a distance from reality that I relate to. Here's the thing, though. right? And so to me, it's real. While the the text and the writing mm-hmm. and the even the performances are all very kind of angular and uh, and uh, not necessarily in a realist style, right? All the acting in it is like traditionally good, right? It's it's maybe a bit theatrical, but yeah. it totally fits in. Yeah. In the in Blue Velvet, they're they're acting aggressively badly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. at, which makes a big difference. But what I meant is not necessarily a question of enjoyment. Right. It's a kind of a question of how much does this film suck me in to the okay. to the world. Yeah, and I just feel I felt more sucked in. And there's no... And the reason that Roger Ebert and Roper would never discuss things in that term is because it's completely subjective and right. really unable to be argued. But I do feel that you probably... I mean, part of, I mean, we had technical difficulties with the film. We had technical which could difficulties. keep you from being sucked in, in a way. Sure, because I... I uh, I was responsible for the yeah. for the showing of this movie, yeah. <laughs> and therefore uh, have failed in some small way. But I think it's good. I think uh, I think this is a good conversation we had. Okay. And I think our next masterpiece will will uh, it's going to be a foreign one. Great. It's going to be a foreign language. So that's the thing. Is not only do we go into depth in in probing world of Each. masterpieces we also go wide we go wide we try and cover the whole world yeah one. whole wide world yeah deeply Ugh. such a deep wide world out there <laughs> okay, okay so let's have a handshake yeah audibly <laughs> the-